Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while, right here on the Jam Session Podcast, sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been awaiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 350, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And we will uh, attempt to dazzle and entertain you. We got a lot to get. Again, this is that time of the year where there's just like, oh, there's a story here. Got some thoughts about this and that. Rangers in spring training. The Mavs returning to action. The never-ending fascination of the quarterback in the NFL, the wild story in my part of the country out of the University of Alabama involving their star basketball player, all of that, but before so, i got to tell you about Greening Law because I've been a client of Greening Law and I can tell you their expertise, their ability to do things that nobody would have any clue that you need to do when you go through a situation like this, if you've been hurt in a car accident, if you were injured on the premises of a business, if you've experienced malpractice, anytime you need to get insurance companies involved, you need to give Greening Law a call. See if you've got a case, because I am telling you, they go to bat for you against these insurance companies to make sure that you get taken care of. Well, that's the whole thing, man. That's what we're really talking about. We're talking about you're in a fight and you want to fight with somebody who can throw some hands with you. And, and keep you out of out of harm's way, and, and grinning allows the place to do that. And so we say, whenever you have an incident, man, the thing that you need to do is pick up the phone and give those boys a call, 972-934-8900. If you're involved in any kind of accident, don't try to do it yourself. Call them, say, hey, fellas, here's my details. What do you think? And if they bring you on for a client, it's a great day for you. That's because you got somebody who ride with you, walk you through this long, complicated, tedious process. And this is always a big deal now. They don't get paid unless you get paid. You hear that? No money for them unless you're collecting too. That's correct. And the consultation's free, so give them a call. 972-934-8900. It's 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. So you brought up this interesting question. We've been talking a lot about the quarterbacks, and, and we've kind of talked a little bit about some of the ones that are out there. We've briefly mentioned Lamar Jackson because he is a free agent. 
it's a really unique situation because he represents himself. And there's a lot of thought that the Ravens will just look at this and go, okay, we're going to, and again, keep in mind, we are in the franchise tag window. Teams have until March 7th to franchise tag a player. There's a lot of thought that they won't be able to come to an agreement with him and that they'll just franchise tag the guy, which for the non-exclusive tag is 32 and some change, 32 million, obviously. And again, just so everybody remembers, that would mean that if another team wanted to come in and offer him a contract, not only would they have to sign him to a contract, you would assume greater than that, that Lamar wants, you also have to give the Ravens two first-round draft picks. So to me, it makes a lot of sense because you can look at Lamar Jackson and go, okay, this is a guy, Lamar Jackson, who so far in his... Man, it seems like you want to say with some of these guys, like young career in the league, but reality of it is he's already been in the league for five seasons, going into year six, won the MVP right. after his second season, is 45 and 16 as an NFL starter. Wow. Which is insane. And is a dude that has been explosive. We all know the, what he can do and, and, and kind of that joystick type player who's extraordinarily difficult to defend. A guy who is one in three in the playoffs, but he does have a playoff win. And what would it look like for him where the Ravens may say, okay, do we believe you're the guy that can get it done for us? Because they didn't go to the playoffs in 2021. They didn't go to the playoffs in 2022. What do you make of a guy who has won a league MVP, but has only ever advanced to the divisional round once in five years? But you look at everything that Lamar Jackson has been about. Do the Ravens believe that he is worth that long-term contract? It's 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 almost similar to where the Cowboys were with Dak, I think, going into this. Yes, if you've seen Life Without Lamar, and it's not pretty, bro. Yeah. Because, yeah, you can you can talk about his playoff record, and whatever you want to say about it negatively is correct, okay? So that's that's not the issue. But then you have to think about the playoffs, and you say – well, who are you playing in the playoffs? You're playing the other teams that are the best teams in the league in the playoffs. And then you look at Baltimore's, the weapons that they've surrounded him with, you start laughing and you go, oh, if he's playing the best teams in the league, I could probably see why he might be having some problems winning games because they don't have any weapons on offense. And, I mean, he is the weapon on offense. They expect him to do anything, run it, uh, throw it, uh, make it up as you go, and lead us to points. And our good defense will keep us in the game until you do that. So uh, I could see him saying, hey, you want me to be Superman? Pay me like Superman. Um, so it's a, it's a interesting question, no doubt. It is. And, and that's one of those things because you and I were talking about this. A guy like that, it, and it, it's the Kyler Murray question. It's the Deshaun Watson question of you really believe in this dude you probably are going to have to pay, I would imagine, because Lamar Jackson could look at both those two names that I just mentioned and say, well, I've got the playoff win like Deshaun. I've got something neither of them have, which is I've been named the MVP as the best player in, in all of the NFL. I have a better record than either one of those two guys does. I mean, again, 45 and 16 as a starter. I want 47, 48, $50 million a year. To which the Ravens go, okay, we don't want to go that high. Here's here We're going to franchise tag you. Another team very well may swoop in and say, holy crap. So if we give up two first-round draft picks, I mean, a team, and I'm just, if, I, who like, like a, a, I don't know who it would be, the Saints, the Raiders, the Jets, whatever it is. Bro, I just, I'm, I'm sitting here to tell you right now. 
if uh, they put that $32 million tag on him, the Jets will go get him. And they should. They should. Whatever you spent, you'll make it back in marketing and publicity and everything else because you're in New York. And, uh, nah. If, if that, if they, I'd give them gladly. Because I told you my thought process on two number ones. Well, yeah. hell, I'm trading one number one for you this year. And, yeah, I'd gladly give up my number one the next year for Lamar Jackson. So that, that don't even bother me. And then the contract, yeah, fine. I'll work it out. It's not that big a deal. It's Lamar Jackson. We'll get it done. Um, so, yeah, I think – and I think he, he – because remember, the Jets were a good team last year, much better than they've been, and then they fell apart because their quarterback play just was beyond atrocious. Yeah. Um, so you put Lamar Jackson into that team. Oh, that AFC East is a beast. Yes, it is. And, and that's where, I mean, to me, I don't disagree with you. And I'll be curious to see if something like that happens. The Jets have the 13th overall pick in the draft this year. You easily give them that one, and then you give them this next one coming up, and you're like, okay, all of a sudden, we've got an opportunity. We can build around this guy in Lamar Jackson, who, keep in mind, just turned 26 years old, so you got him for another four full football seasons before he hits 30, that you could extend this guy, sign in one of those four- or five-year deals at a – and it's going to be pricey now because – if he hit the open market, I would not be surprised if Lamar Jackson became the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history. No, he will become the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history if he hits the open market. No and, and that's where a team like the Jets or somebody that wants that, and I wonder if the Ravens, now the non-exclusive tag, they could put that on. It's only been used a few times, remember, we talked about that. Then you are paying him $45 million next season, all guaranteed, all on the cap, all at once. Ooh, that's a big number all at once, bro. Yeah, I mean, and, and see, that's the thing about the tag. And, and when you talk about the cap, I mean, you know this, but for the people listening, the franchise tag is 100% guaranteed that hits your cap immediately. As soon as you tag that dude, it's, it's on the cap. It's there. And, yeah, and right now, they got about $21 million in cap space. Right, so they would have to restructure, move something, which obviously they can do, to right. create $45 million minimum to be able to absorb that hit. And then we talk about this with Dak. With Dak, the Cowboys are going to restructure Dak's contract. They're going to have to. There's a variety of other contracts that you can restructure, which is why, like, you see, oh, we're going to sign him to a five-year deal. We can convert this much to a signing bonus. Then we take that and we divide it out. And we pay. We just raise it each of the next five years. Right. But on the, on the, on the franchise tag, you can't do that because it's, it's one year and it's everything right then, which is a lot for teams to have to hit because there's no wiggle room on that. None whatsoever, and that's why you're you're trying not to put the franchise tag on people. You want the uh, flexibility that comes with a long-term contract so you can spread it out. And instead of Dak costing uh, $32 million that year, you can make him cost 9 or 10 or 12. Yeah. Much more palatable, much easier on your cap. But that's why, and again, we've talked about, I mean, we talked about Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers and some of these quarterbacks that are out there how this offseason is going to go because it it feels like for the first time in a long time, I mean, honestly, for the first time in a long time, that we're going to see some opportunities for some named quarterbacks that have had, especially in Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson's case, yeah, it's going to cost you something to get them, but they've had success. Right. Those are two very good quarterbacks. I'd rather have Lamar at this point than Aaron Rodgers because I don't know what Aaron Rodgers quite honestly has left. Maybe he just needs a fresh start and he'll be reinvigorated and and being in a new situation, he's got something. But, I mean, Lamar Jackson at 26 years old and has already won an MVP. Are you kidding me? 
Dude, whatever's required to go get that guy. Because all it's costing you is draft picks. Well, I guess it costs you money too. But um, if if your team is ready to win, like if I'm him, I ain't going, I'm not interested in the Saints. They're not really ready to win right now, uh, given all their issues. Uh, you know, so there's not too many teams that are ready to win with a quarterback. They're one. And so, dude, if I, I tell the Ravens, yeah, play with me if you want to. Put that $32 million tag on me and watch, watch, watch it move. Yeah, so we'll see how, how it goes. But Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers are the ones that I think a lot of people are looking at. Obviously, Derek Carr, which, which we talked about that the other day, he doesn't really do a lot for me. And there's some other names that are out there that you look at and, and you kind of go around. And then, of course, the guys that are going to be drafted into the league this year, there's going to be four of them taken in the first round. And Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are seriously going to move the needle for somebody. The expectation is that Houston and probably the Colts will take whatever of the two of the four quarterbacks that they highly believe in. There's a lot of thought that the Panthers are looking for a quarterback in the first round. Oh, definitely, I think. Um, dude, and I think Anthony Richardson is going to go high because of that. Once, the, once, uh, once three are gone, if he doesn't move past somebody like Levias. Um, then I, I would be shocked if, if four of those guys win the top 12, man, because somebody's going to look at his talent Yep, and they're just going to be like, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll take the home run risk. Uh, we'll take the Pat Mahomes risk. We'll take the Josh Allen risk, and we'll just be like, yeah, because if we hit, we good. Yeah, man, and it, it's, it's really interesting because you see a lot of these mock drafts that have – the Panthers taking a quarterback, the Raiders at seven taking a quarterback, and then the Colts and the Texans also taking quarterbacks, which would put four in the top nine. And, and I mean, pretty much every mock that I've seen, whether it's Kuyper or McShay or Matt Miller or Jeremiah or Walter Football, they all have guys like that going four quarterbacks in the top nine. So yeah. we'll see. I think it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see what the Colts do if they end up offering the Bears enough to jump the Texans to get the number one overall pick and get the quarterback they really want, and the Texans are sitting there stuck at two with that whole situation of how they won their final game, I mean, that'll be... And who maybe the Texans don't care, and they're like, look, we, we're totally good with, with either Stroud or Young, and, and we're, whoever goes one neat will take two. Right, right, right. But we shall see. There's going to be a lot of movement. There always is as we get into the draft, which is what makes it a lot of fun. Now, the one thing we haven't kicked around, I think Todd McShay threw it out there and somebody else threw it out there. Would you trade Justin Fields and then draft whichever quarterback you like? I might because I would imagine you could probably get a first for Justin Fields. And quite honestly, if I could do that, my, my only problem, and this is the only reason why I would do this, he's still got technically three years because he's only two years in. Right. So you got two years and then plus his fifth-year option, you could pick that up. I would look at that and I would wonder, okay, so say that we, we trade Justin Fields. I would, would want to get a first back so that I could use my selection at one to take, let's say I'm going to take Bryce Young. Right, And then I also have another first-round pick that I sent Justin Fields away for that I have to use on getting a weapon. Because otherwise, you are just replacing Justin Fields with another young quarterback to come in, in the same situation that Justin Fields has been trying to master, which is an offense that is devoid of any types of weapons. 
True that. True that. I you think know. it's an interesting thing. But I was like, but I'm like, I was like, could you get a one for Justin Fields? See, and if you couldn't, I don't know, then do you do it? Because you're, you're, you're putting the quarterback in the same position he's in, even if you are buying. Now you have reset the clock for two years because you've got a rookie instead of a guy going into year three. No, exactly. So I'd probably, uh, I'd probably, <clears throat> I'd probably keep Justin Fields and use these picks to uh, that I'm finna get to to put whatever weapons possible around him. I mean, Justin Fields flashed a little something this year. People forget this. He finished tied for ninth in MVP voting. Damn, really? Yes. I mean, I know he's running like crazy all the time. Yeah. But, you know, what? to me what they need to do is they need to say, okay, we have – I mean, really, to me, they just need to say, okay, we got Lamar Jackson 2.0. So let's, uh, let's put weapons around him. Let's create the offense around him and his skill set, and let's go to work. And, you know, let's bring back whatever they were doing at Ohio State, which was really a bunch of mesh concepts, you know, which is a fancy word for crossing routes. Uh, with fast guys and uh, spreading teams out and letting him uh, let him operate. Yeah, and reality of it is, I mean, they have they have a porous offensive line. He was sacked fifty five times this year. Their run game is solid with David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. But I was just looking at this. Their leading receiver was their tight end Cole Komet. They did not have a single other wide receiver or receiving option. Running back, no one else cracked five hundred yards receiving. They would have killed for Noah Brown. I mean, no doubt. Think about that. Cole Komet led the team with 544 yards receiving. No other player on the Chicago roster had more than 493. And only Darnell Mooney. This is insane. You can't even judge your boy on a, with, with Dude, like that. Darnell Mooney was their leading wide receiver with 493. No one else on the team had more than 323 yards receiving. Well. What is that? So then, they got they got to be looking, they got to be going like we'll take wide receiver with the first two picks in the draft. And, <laughs> I mean, and maybe we can add another one in free agency. Yeah, that's the thing, man. I mean, we 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 go through all this all the time with you ha- if you're going to have a young quarterback, you got to put weapons around the guy. What do you want him to do when he's behind an offensive line that's a sieve and you've got Darnell Mooney as your number one wide receiver? No, nah, this that's that's a no win proposition, bro. Telling you. All right, we've got to move on. We've got some other stuff to get into. We'll tell you if we may. Freeway Tire Shop and Jr. He'd been out of town. He was on vacation for a week or so, but he's back, so you might actually run into him if you're around the shop. Freeway Tire Shop, man. You need you need brakes. You need tires. You need an oil change, a state inspection, whatever it is. You want to go where you trust the work, and you want to go where you're getting a fair price. And you want to go where they're going to treat you in a way that will blow your mind. You're like, oh, my God, this is a mechanic. What am I at a day spa? This is incredible. That's Freeway <laughs> no, Tire Shop. No, Freeway Tire is where to get it done, man. And uh, we like to tell you, if your mechanic is not doing everything JR is doing, then, re- then really you need to tell them, hey, appreciate you. And then go right up the street from downtown Dallas. It's uh, about five minutes up 35. You get off of Commonwealth. You go through the light. He's right there on the right. And that's because with JR, man, seriously now, because I've taken all my cars over there at some one point or another multiple times. Uh, best thing he does, man, diagnose the problem and then use quality parts to fix the problem. Because sometimes if you don't use quality parts to fix the problem, then guess what, man? The problem shows back up 
in a few months. Mm-hmm. So he'll give you a choice. Like, yo, you want me to use better parts or worse parts? Here's the difference in the cost. You tell me what you want to do. That's the kind of options. That's the kind of relationship you want with your mechanic. And then the other thing he does, man, is he charges you a fair price. Yes. In this America we live in, he charges you a fair price. Wow. Um, <laughs> exactly. Like, I, don't, I never mind paying him. I don't always like to pay him, but I never mind paying him, if that makes sense to you. And then the last thing he does is he stand behind his work. If you if you pay for it, you get it done, it's still not quite acting right for whatever reason, you just bring it back and say, hey, man, it's making the same noise. Oh, okay. I thought it was this. We thought it was that. Eh, maybe it's this other thing. And then they fix it up, and you keep it rolling, man. That's the kind of relationship you want with a mechanic. And if yours isn't doing all of that, then, yes, go to Freeway Tire. Tell me your boys from Jam says it sent you. Easy to do, man. You can even check them out online. It's freewaytireshop.com. So you can schedule an appointment, request a quote, find out more about what JR does there at Freeway Tire Shop. So let's jump in. Quick trip around the block because I got a couple of things that I wanted to. Th- I, I saw this earlier and I was like, no way. But apparently it is true. Yes, I'm sure yes, many yes. of us remember steak and ale. Dude, yes. That was the spot when I was growing up. That was kind of, tell me what you think. It feels like that was kind of the outback of yeah. the 80s or 70s. I think that that's very, very true where it wasn't elite steak, obviously. But man, when you ate there, sometimes like, I can go to a place that I imagine was fairly affordable and get a solid steak without breaking the bank at one of these fancy steak places. Right, 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 right. Well, I bring this up because many of you are probably aware that steak and ale disappeared way back along with, I believe, Bennigan's at, at the same time back in like 2008. It's been like 15 years. Ooh, boy. Well. I, re- I kind of remember when it disappeared, bro. It seemed like the last one was in Arlington over there by the ballpark. It probably was. That one was there for a while, it feels like. And I'm probably going to botch this guy's name, so I apologize. But a restaurateur named Paul Mengiamelli is bringing Steak and L back. They are relaunching Steak and Ale, and the first one in the country will be in Minnesota, which is near where he grew up. The second one will be opening in Grand Prairie, just off of I-30. It is slated to open sometime in 2024, and just like the original that opened in Dallas in 1966 at Oaklawn and Lemon, it'll have stained glass windows and a salad bar. Wow, how about that? I mean, it, it's, 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 he says everybody loves a comeback story. I wonder what made them decide to come back. I don't know. That's what I was wondering. I, I thought, man, especially like, like in the competition of today where so many things, it feels like chains are really struggling. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, you know, like. Why take another brand? That, like I didn't think Steak and Ale's brand was so strong that you're like, oh yeah, we, we we just need to capitalize on that. I don't. I mean, I wouldn't think so. No, but that's wild, bro. I mean, this is in another thing, and I, mean, I didn't realize this. So Bennigan's, and like I told you, apparently they were owned by the same company, Steak and Ale and Bennigan's. Well, Bennigan's right. was founded in the mid '70s in Dallas, Texas. Now there's only yes. a handful of them around the country, and he's bringing those back to Texas. Okay, so he's just an old school dude who likes to bring new old shit back. I guess, and I didn't realize this. So he's got, it's called Bennigan's on the Fly, which is a takeout version of Bennigan's, which is already delivering from Richardson and Grapevine. 
And he says that they're going to build a steak and ale in an undisclosed location in Grand Prairie off I-30, and he's building a Bennigan's next door to it. <laughs> I used to love Bennigan's, man. The Monte Cristo and the drinks they had. God, when I waited tables at Fridays, we would always go over to the Bennigan's in Fort Worth and drink after work. Dude, I ain't mad at you. Sound like a good time. I it know was a, lot a good of, time. Uh, I know a lot of it was filled after the ballpark in Arlington. They had one out there. Yeah, man. And they, they used to have one... Hell, over by where I used to live in Irving over there, uh, north of 114, right there in Las Colinas, there used to be a Bennigan's right there. And now there's like a Chipotle and a Bank of America and stuff, but there used to be a Bennigan's right there. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I know that area well. God, just, okay, so he says, here's the answer to your question. Why is the return of steak and ale happening now, 55 years after it was created and 15 years after it disappeared? He says, there's never been a better time With so many restaurants closing due to the pandemic, it's created an opportunity for us to get into very strong second-generation spaces. I'm calling this nostalgia. It harkens back to a time that people love. Okay. Man, that is... That's interesting. I don't know. This is like... This is mind-boggling to me that they're bringing steak and ale back. (laughs) Uh, Here's the thing, though, bro. I think... uh, I think... I only went to Steak and Ale like once in my life. Yeah, to be fair, I probably only ate there once or twice. I will say like in high school, and this goes back to your Outback Steakhouse comparison, in high school that used to be like if you if we were going like on a like to a dance or something, that would be kind of like a nice restaurant where we could go for high school kids. Mm. You know what I mean? Where like now yeah. I may be like, hey, we're going to go to this fancy ass James Beard Award winning place. Well, back in high school, I'm like, hey, you want to go get the prime rib at Steak and Ale? <laughs> yeah, that was the spot. That was the play. And you could figure out a way to scratch it out. I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah, this is wild, man. He says that what what killed steak and ale originally in 2008, in his view, what's the nicest way to put this, he says, the previous ownership didn't respect the people or the culture. They drifted away from the original success components. Crazy, okay. dude. Well, kick ass. I hope, I hope that it's successful. Why not? I want Bennigan's to come back. Yeah, I'm all, I'm I'm down for any success story, bro. God, I used to man, I used to love Bennigan's. I tried to wait <laughs> tables there. I don't know if I've ever told this story before, but when I got out of college, I, my mom and dad had just moved from Texas to the Cincinnati area, and so while they were selling their house here in Texas, I was allowed to stay there. Well, then obviously one day they call me. I'm 22 years old. They're like, "Okay, well we sold the house, so you're gonna have to find a place to live." I'm like, "Okay." So I'm just, I'll just go get a place to live. So I'm driving right. around and I find this, you know, I, I, my parent, this house was in Alito. So this would have been in the Fort Worth area where I was looking and I was dating a girl who went to TCU at the time. And I remember her. It's, this is so, cause <laughs> I, and you know what? I, I, I mad respect now later in life for, for my dad on this. At the time I was pissed, but. I found this apartment and it's one of those look and lease deals. I'm like, oh, this is great. And so I'm, you know, I call my dad. I'm like, hey, I found a place to live. And if I sign the lease by tomorrow afternoon, then the rent will be whatever it was. And then I don't have to pay a deposit. I just need this. But I, I, I'm going to fax over. I mean, remember this back in the time of faxing. I was like, right, I, right, I just right. need to fax over the uh, lease agreement because I need you to co-sign. And my dad's like, I'm not co-signing that. I'm like, well, I can't, I can't get it if you don't co-sign it. He's like, do you have a job? I was like, well, 
no. He goes, well, go get a job then and I'll co-sign. I was like, well, I have to do this tomorrow. He goes, oh, sounds like you're wasting time. <laughs> and I, I kid you not, dude, I drove around Fort Worth, Brian Irvin, Hewlin area. I went into every single restaurant. I went into Bennigan's and hell, if there was a steak and ale over there, I went over there. I went to On the Border and member of Tia's Tex-Mex. Yeah. I, I went to T. I I mean, all of this stuff. And I'm like, and I'm telling them, and I'm, I'm selling the shit out of myself, man. I'm like, hey, they're like, oh, yeah, uh, can we set up an interview for next week? I was like, is there any way we can interview right now? I'd really love to work here. Because, I, again, <laughs> my, I've got 24 hours to find a damn job to where I have income coming in where my dad will co-sign. I go to TGI Fridays at Hewlin and 30 over in Fort Worth. And I, they say that. And it's like, well, is there a manager I could speak to just real quick? And so they go and get the general manager who comes out. And I say... I'd really like to work here. I really need a job. Is there any way that we could sit down for an interview right now? And she goes, you know what? I like that initiative. Yes, I will interview you right now. So we sit down and she goes through. She goes, wow. She goes, you know what? You are hired. And I was like, oh my God, I did it. And I remember calling my dad and I was like, I got a job. What's the fax number? <laughs> oh, oh, now you're talking trash. I know, right? But man, it, it was one of those things. And I worked at that Friday's. You know, this is when I was trying to get my radio career started out of, out of school, and I didn't have a full-time radio gig yet, and, and I needed more income, and so I finally I got a full-time job working at Fridays, and then I found a radio station out in Fort Worth, and I started working there part-time on the weekends and whatnot, so it all worked out, man, but I'll, I will never, and that Bennigan's reminds me of that because I went into Bennigan's because really I wanted to work at either Bennigan's or Fridays, All right. and so Fridays ended up working out correctly, but way to go, Dad. No, they kind of feel like the same spot to me. They were very similar, and we knew Friday's people, we used to hang a lot with the Bennigan's people and vice versa, and we were all old enough to drink, of course, at that point, so you'd go after work if their bar was open and, you know, like, hey, man, and, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah, no, no, I feel you on that. It was, uh, it was a good time, a little nostalgia, but steak and ale. Is there, an, is there another restaurant that you would, like, when I threw out Tia's, and I hadn't thought about them in forever, Tia's was good, as I remember. Right. But for whatever reason, like of that genre of Tex-Mex, it feels like on the border one. Remember Don Pablo's? I don't even know if those exist anymore. Dude, now that used to be a big deal. Hey, yeah. let's go to Don Pablo's. But, you know, now let's see, this is a good conversation because, you know, what happens is, bro, like on the border, on the border is perfectly fine. Okay, perfectly fine. But once you start living somewhere, like we live here, or I live here now, you used to live here, dude, there's like 10 Mexican Tex-Mex restaurants yeah. that are locally owned, that are not chains, that you go, well, if I'm having Mexican this week once, and I'm going out, you know, man, I'd just as soon go over here. <laughs> um, yeah. There's, there's a little hole in the wall. I can't even remember the name of it. It's like INX or... ITNX and it's off of Lancaster and uh, it's, it's almost at the corner of Lancaster and Keystone Oak Cliff. Yeah. If you drive past it, you won't notice it because it's inside, like, it's not even a gas station. It's like inside a convenience store. Bro, those tacos right there to live for for a long time. Okay. So, but yeah. that's what I mean. Like, but I could give you like eight or nine places around, like within five minutes of downtown that are like that. And so if you have that opportunity, you're like, man, on the border is cool, but I'll pass. Oh, no, it's a fire alarm. Are you burning? Are you okay? 
it's probably it's probably a test it could be my dryer i don't know that's not your dryer man that's like like your whole apartment or whatever is on fire fire. that's a fire alarm your whole place (laughs) no they used to do that when i was in the dorms i never forget speaking of tcu the fire alarm they would do like a fire drill once and you weren't supposed to stay in the other person's dorm or whatever yeah Good luck with that. Yeah. And and so like this would happen in my dorm when I was at Texas State, we some dude used to pull a fire alarm all the time. It got to a point where we just stopped going out. And and then one time we would hide in our room like they would come and check the room, you know, when they would do a room check. And I would I could I was obviously I'm a thin person. I mean, I was very thin back then and I could fit in between the mattress and the wall bro to where they couldn't see me and i would just like throw some blankets over me and they'd pop their head in and look and not see anybody in their beds and we would just stay in our dorm <laughs> one day we did that and there was an actual fire down the hall in the bathroom and the fire apartment was there there was smoke everywhere it was nuts they were like because i remember i told my roommate because we had hid when they came to do the check of getting everybody out when the alarm went off like the ra or whoever <laughs> And then we hear a knock on the door. Fire department, get out. I'm like, fire department. And I smell. I'm like, dude, do you smell that smoke? We open the door. The hallway is covered in smoke. And this dude that looks like, you know, a futuristic Darth Vader is standing there. Get the fuck out of the dorm right now. <laughs> and we're, we're, we were like, oh, my God. We're going to burn. We didn't know we were going to burn alive. But it was just like a trash can fire or something. Wow, still. But, it, but it may have been worth it to go down like that. I don't know, man. That was kind of awesome. So the other thing to get into here is, and we, we've mentioned this, but Ranger Spring Training is well underway. They have now full campus open. Everybody is there. And there is some good news. Yes, yes, yes. Jacob deGrom has returned to the mound. He Already. We are recording this on Thursday afternoon. Earlier this morning, eight days after camp started, he threw his first bullpen session. He made 22 pitches. When he was done, he smiled and shook hands with pitching coach Mike Maddox. Maddox said that obviously he wasn't going to be throwing at a high intensity or anything. He said, look, just 50 or 60% is fine. Just about getting on the mound and throwing downhill. But no problems. Jacob deGrom is there and he's throwing. Well, we can all breathe a huge sigh of relief. God, I hope so. uh, Nah, I mean, you know, it is what it is, man. I think uh, if you can get 20 starts and 150 innings, I'll, I'll take it. I hope so, but it's, I think, actually, I think tomorrow is their first spring training game on Friday. I know single game tickets go on sale tomorrow if you wanted to buy just, you know, they sold season ticket packages and then like the mini packages, but single right. game tickets go on sale tomorrow morning, on Friday morning at 10 a.m., and I know this because we are considering taking a trip to Chicago to see the Rangers play the Cubs at Wrigley Field in April. You should definitely do that. I know. It. That's what that. I was saying. I was like, oh, because I've only been to Wrigley once and it was 20 years ago. But, man, I thought it'd be badass to go see my team at Wrigley. I w- I've only been there once, and it was a great experience mm-hmm. because I had become boys with, one of the f- with a f- member of the Texas Rangers. Oh, damn. Marlon Berg. He became one of my guys. I remember and him. Then, and then whatever happened, he either got traded one year or left through free or whatever. He ended up with Cubs. And so I still used to keep in touch with him a little bit, like on Twitter or every – or, I, you know, what it was. I'd see him make a play on sports. And I'd shoot him a text like, yo, yeah. I see you still got it, that kind of thing. So I was up in Chicago, and I said, uh, I said, hey, I'm being in your city. He said, I got tickets if you want them. I was like, oh, great. I well, said, damn. Yeah, and, 
my, I, can't, I think I just went with my stepmother or my brother, one of the two. So I was like, yeah, if you can give me three, great. So he got me three. They were great seats. And that was my Wrigley experience. Man, that is badass. Oh, yeah, dude. It's a good time. I mean, that is fantastic. Yeah, I, I, you know, Wrigley Field, and I've never been to Fenway, which I still want to go to, but Wrigley Field was one of those things where they have, it's built basically in a neighborhood. And that's what's so wild is you just turn the corner like you would have a normal neighborhood, and there's Wrigley Field just yeah, right there in front of you. Uh, no, nah, it's wild. Um, you know, t- to me, that's the best thing about baseball. It's, it's the stadiums, not the game. I remember my first, uh, I had been, I was covering the Rangers. I was the number two beat guy. And um, I got a call, hey, we're going to send you on the next road trip. You know, Jerry Fraley or whoever was doing it needs a break or whatever, whatever. And I was like, okay, six, there's like a seven game trip. It's a week, Boston and Baltimore. I was like, oh my God, the Green Monster in Camden Yards? Yeah, nice. I'm down for that. Yeah, that's, I went, I went to Wrigley Field. August 15th of 2003. And I saw the Cubs win a two to one game over the Dodgers in which many people will remember this name, but Mark Pryor of the Cubs pitched a complete game that day to win. And it was awesome because they won two to one. And I just remember, I mean, after the game was over, just sitting there for forever, just soaking in everything. And so the fact that I, I've got a good chance where we're going to try to get over there and, and go in April 20 years later because the lady she's never been to chicago and i know she's wanted to go and check it out there's some breweries want to hit up there and stuff as well but i said man if we're going i told her i was like if we're trying to go to chicago let's see when the rangers are playing because i knew they have their interleague series this year and they happen to be playing at wrigley but it's the second series of the season it's that it's that opening weekend of the season it's like april 6th 7th and 8th i think is when the rangers will be there right 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 but i was like man it won't be that hot it'll be perfect weather probably maybe even a little cool no, go ahead and do that. Yeah, I think that that's going to be a lot of fun. So, you know who spends a lot of time doing that, bro? Hmm. Is um, we call him Johnny Matches, John Mashoda, nice of uh, the Athletic, because he's a single guy. Yeah, uh, I don't even know how old John is now, but let's say he's mid to late thirties now. As a single guy, his thing is oh, now his team don't you know don't get him don't don't ask why these are his teams. It's like Duke basketball, Florida State football, and, you know, Notre Dame. You know, there's some weird stuff for a guy who grew up in Detroit. But he follows his teams, man. Like, uh, whenever there's a big sporting event, if he's got time, he's there. Yeah. And uh, I always admire that, you know, because that's kind of like his hobby. Okay, I'm going to get – I got a little bit of disposable income, and Notre Dame is playing Florida State, and so I'm going. I think that's a cool way to go. It is cool, man. I mean, if you've got the ability and and you've got the money where you can do that and enjoy yourself and you don't have any responsibilities, why not jump in there and make that happen? Matter of fact, I just saw a picture. It made me think of it because I literally, within the last 48 hours, saw a picture of him on some social media site, and he was at Krzyzewskiville at Duke. Duke. I was just laughing. I was like, look at John doing his thing. Why not, man? And and that's like when you have opportunities, like I I was like, yeah, we let's book it. Let's get it done. Let's go. You know, we, cause we like doing, we'll do this a couple times a year. We try to do a Thursday through Sunday trip somewhere. And yeah, once a year we try to do where we fly somewhere. And then like maybe later in the year, we may just drive somewhere that's not too far away, but 
we like going to cities that at least one of us has never been to before, trying to experience that together. So we'll see about that. The Rangers, of course, at spring training, it's really wild because you look at this and you know, I'm sure everybody is, I know you are very familiar with him, but Evan Grant, of course, who covers the, the Rangers for the Dallas Morning News, he had put out something, I'm trying to remember, this might have been earlier today or yesterday that I saw this, where basically the opening day roster is all but set which is kind of wild to think like you haven't even gotten into spring training, the meat of spring training yet, but barring injury, they already know what they want this thing to do. It should be kind of cool because Josh Young is healthy now and is going to get an opportunity to take over as the starting everyday third baseman, their first round pick from a couple of years ago that you should have probably Nate Lowe, I would guess at first again with Simeon and Seager and Young rounding out the infield there. And, the outfield, Garcia, Tavares, and probably Bubba Thompson, maybe Robbie Grossman we'll see as the other outfielder starting-wise anyway. But we all know what this means, man. It, it, if the rotation is healthy, they've got a really interesting rotation of Jacob deGrom, who can be an ace. Andrew Heaney would be their number two. Nathan Avoldi would be their number three. Martin Perez would be their fourth guy, and then John Gray. That is a stacked rotation if they stay healthy and pitch the way that they're all capable of pitching. But, of course, what are the chances five pitchers stay healthy and all pitch the way they're capable of pitching? No, but what it does is if, if they're just normal, like not abnormal, um, you're going to have an opportunity to win most nights. Um, you know, and I think that's all you can ask for because I think Gray and Martin were like one and two last year. Now they're four and five. Yeah, yeah. But that's what you want. If, if you can get that to go, then it's all good. And now, you know, the piggyback part of that is you don't have to rush your kids, you know. Um, you can make guys earn it to the big leagues. Not, well, we're out of luck. Uh, we don't have anybody else. Uh, you know, Lighter hadn't really been lighting it up down there at Double A, but uh, let's see what he can do up here. Yeah. You don't have to do any of that, man. You know, hey, Lighter, when you, when you earn a promotion – you get promoted. Hey, Rocker, when you earn a promotion, you get promoted. We don't have to, we don't have to rush anybody because we got these guys up here. And I think that was some of, the, some of the best things from the moves that they made. Yeah, and it's interesting because it puts a guy like a Dane Dunning, probably bumps him, and he could start down in Round Rock, you know, at AAA. And they've got the opportunity to use him as a sixth or seventh starter as they need. So... I mean, everybody's always optimistic at the beginning of a year. There are very good reasons to be optimistic about this franchise. They spent a lot of money, as I think everybody is well aware of, in free agency over the course of the last couple of seasons. If you've been paying attention to the Rangers whatsoever at all, I mean, they have flat out told us that the expectation is they are going to compete for the playoffs this year. That is the expectation. That's why they've made some of the moves that they've made in the offseason, but the reality of it is this is also a franchise that is coming off a 68-94 campaign and was 60-102 and the year before that. So is it realistic? Get Get hustling. Is it realistic to expect they can make a jump from 68 wins to the mid-80s? Well, we're going to get to that question that you just raised. If they have health, they can do that. If they have, I mean, that's asking a lot, though, because you're asking guys who haven't been healthy to stay healthy. Uh, that's a big jump, but if they're, if, check this out, man. If they'll do better at the fundamentals, they have a better manager, and if their best players just play 
to their pedigree. I'm not saying anything great. Like, you know, I don't really care about Seager's homers or whatever last year. He didn't have a good year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, same with Marcus Simeon. He didn't have a good year last year. Uh, he was awful the first half of the year. So if you can get those guys to just play to their pedigree, yeah, you can win. And that's where it'll be interesting to see because – the lowest wild cards out of each league last year, the Phillies had 87 wins and the Tampa Bay Rays in the American League had 86 wins. So you're prob- you probably got to get, again, into that mid-80s range to be in the race for the final wild card. Look, we already know New York and Toronto are going to be really good again. Cleveland's going to be good. Chicago's probably going to be better than what they were out of the Central. Houston's not going away. Seattle's going to be loaded again this year. So... It's it's a tough upward battle for the Rangers, but I think they've got some pieces. If a guy like Josh Young shows up and has a great rookie season, if DeGrom stays healthy, then yeah. I mean, this is a team that they could make a sizable jump. I'm going to believe it anyway because I can. It's in February, so <laughs> you can't prove I'm wrong right now. <laughs> we'll wait till April, no. I guess. So elsewhere around the world of sport, and we finally... Hopefully, we'll get an opportunity to see fully healthy Kyrie, fully healthy Luca, get an extended opportunity to play together. Now, as we record this, we'll find out what happens tonight, but they return to action. It is Thursday night, which is for us tonight against San Antonio, and this is the beginning. We talked about this before the All-Star break. They have a six-game homestand that'll take them into the second week of March. They have San Antonio, followed by the Lakers on Sunday, the Pacers next Tuesday, the 76ers a week from today, then the Suns and the Jazz, and they don't have any of those games on back-to-backs. There's a really good opportunity, especially when you have teams like the Suns and the Jazz coming up, for the Mavs to put together a little something here and get some momentum for the back part of the season. Oh, dude, I mean, this is clearly what needs to happen. But I I think even bigger than that, you know, we talk about it all the time, man. We just talked about it with the Rangers. Can y'all just play good basketball? Yeah. If you play good basketball, everything else will take care of itself. The wins will come. Um, just play good, man. Nothing. You don't even have to play great. Just play to your pedigree. I think uh, Luke will be recharged. Everybody knows what these uh, final uh, 20-some games are all about. Uh, the role players have got to find a rhythm. You kind of get your rotation set now as you enter the playoffs and really see what you're going to do because so many teams made moves. Uh, and we're really talking about the Mavericks. We're talking about the Suns. We're talking about the Lakers. Uh, and it's so tight in the West that it's really, man, about who gels the fastest and who makes it happen the fastest. Yeah, and Kyrie and, and Luca, if they stay healthy, are going to be a force to be reckoned with. You want to see the continued development of, obviously, Josh Green doing what he can do and Hardy, who have shown a, a lot flashes that they are ready for that bigger role that the Mavs are going to have to rely on them for. You're going to get Maxi Kleba back at some point and, and put him back into this. And again, and we've talked about this a ton as they return to action. I mean, the Western conference, as all of us know, this is a loaded Western conference. They are two and a half games out of the three seed and they are two games out of the 12th seed. Dude, it's tight now. It is. It, the good news, the Rocket, or excuse me, the Spurs, who they have, they suck. You need to win this game at home. This is a game that you should win at home. The Pacers are not any good when you play them. The Lakers are five games under 500. I mean, these are teams that you are better than. 
that you got to start stacking these wins, keeping pace and trying to catch some people. The nightmare scenario would be if you fall into where you've got to play in the play-in round. You don't want to do that. Nah, bro. You ain't trying. You ain't trying to do that, man. You need to stay away, far away from that as you can. That's a little too fluky. That's a little too much. Uh, you know, eight and nine seed playing each other in the NCAA tournament. You ain't really trying to go out like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting, man. This is this is one of those things. Like basketball is always this way. We've only seen Luca and Kyrie play together twice. So maybe next week when we get three or four more games of a sample size, we can sit here and then have some more thoughts and offer a little bit more. Cause like, okay. Are they going to gel? Like you were talking about two games. Doesn't tell me anything. They were Oh, and two. So what I, I let's see more of how the team works around these two guys who are obviously elite when they are at their best. And we'll see what that is. Perhaps at some point next week, maybe when they transition and they make that here in a couple of weeks when they go after the six at home and then you've got all these road games in your final 15 games of the year as you're trying to make a push in the West. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think that's uh, I think that's that's the whole goal, bro. I mean, I think that um, we know what, what, what those guys are going to do. I think it's what is everybody else going to do because those guys can score 40 points apiece and yep. you're not going to win. Your role players have got to be – Consistent. I know that um, that can be asking a lot for role players, but you know that's what we're asking them to do, and that's what we need them to do. That's very true. They are asking a lot, but to some degree, they need but to again, step up. Man. They at least need to fulfill the role that is envisioned for them, even if they're going to be a role player. Show us you can be a vi- a key role player that we can use. Just be what we need you to be. We don't have to have you be spectacular. That's what I'm talking about, bro. That's that's really what like Tim Hardaway. Be the guy you're supposed to be, bro. Not the guy we've seen much of this year, which is the guy who can't make a shot. Now, again, ain't nobody. it's not like he's doing this on purpose. You know, he would love to play better. But the reality is you're being paid to perform, and you need to perform at a higher level than you've been performing because, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, he's had times where he's, what, average 17, 18, 19 points a game. Um, but we haven't seen it around here lately. No, they have. You know what? That's a great point because of all the guys we mentioned with, with Christian Wood and Hardy and Green, you completely forget about Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah, well, I take it back. His best year, he had a three year stretch or a two year stretch in 18, 17 and 18, where he averaged 15 and 15.3. But, you know, he's been in Dallas five years. But when he got here, man, he averaged 14.1. Um, now he's averaging 12.2, but it's not a good 12.2. You know, he's shooting 37% from the field yeah. and, um, you know, 35% from threes, which is okay, but it's not as good as he can do. He's been a four, you know, basically a 40% shooter from three in the past. So what I'm saying is play to your pedigree, bro. Yep. You're better I mean, than what you've showed. Obviously, you're not going to pay to your contract. I mean, I think that's obvious, but – yeah, but. At least you play know, no maybe a little bit more consistency. And to be fair, he did have a stretch like earlier in February where he was like 15 plus for four or five games in a row and was actually a piece of what that was. And then, of course, he didn't play the last couple of games before the All-Star break. But yeah, let, let's get Tim Hardaway. Because if Hardaway Jr. can just be the three, just be or even the fourth piece, let Christian Wood be the third piece. Just be a solid fourth piece. And then Hardy and Green coming in. We'll see. There's reason to be excited. You, I could easily convince myself of being very excited about where the Mavs are going on this. 
Yeah, he's making $21 million this year, 19 next year, 17 the year after that, and 16 the final year in 25. Amazing. This from a guy who never averaged more than 15 points a game. That's the NBA for you because still, yep. bro, that's one of the best players in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's easily – there's those two jobs of just be a middling NBA player or be a, a decent middle reliever or a backup quarterback, and you're going to get banked. For really not doing much. Yeah, but you got to do it at least once or twice just to get paid. Yeah, you got to do something. So before we get into the college story of maybe the year, let's tell you about Smokey John's Barbecue, man. I know many of you have enjoyed the Jam Session Bowl. It is a very special off-menu item. It's not on the menu. It's a secret menu item. They created it just for us, for all of you guys that listen to the Jam Session podcast. It's phenomenal. I don't think that you can have it enough. It's so hard when you go in there to not just bombard yourself with, oh, I'll have the the jam session bowl. Because, man, their barbecue, to me, it's it's, because you get to try a couple different meats. You also get to try a couple different sides with the way that they prepare this thing for you, the jam session bowl. And they do so many things so well at Smokey John's that you want to try as much as you can. And the jam session bowl is really a great way to do that. Dude, I got a tweet, a DM the other day from uh, one of the guys I talk to quite frequently on Twitter, a guy named Purple Elephant Music. Yeah, that's right, Purple yeah. Elephant Music. He's the guy who created the, the bed music we use in our intro and outro for the podcast. There you go. Um, so, dude, he sent me a picture yesterday or a couple of days ago that says, uh, hey, check this out. I stopped by Smokey John's and they were out of mashed potatoes. Oh, so they deep fried a baked potato for me and made that the base for the jam session bowl. That's awesome. <laughs> Which means they put a couple of smoked meats on it. Uh, this looks like a chicken and brisket. Yeah. And then they covered it, man, with the stuff that you find on the late loaded baked potato, which is like chives and cheese and butter, sour cream and uh, dog. He's got the sauce over here in a little container, about to drizzle it over there, and they went to town. It's phenomenal. You will love it. It's local. It's family-owned. It's just absolutely wonderful barbecue at Smokey John's. And also, keep in mind, you can order. I'm looking at it right now online. You can go to SmokeyJohns.com, click on Smokey's Market, and you can order your very own bottle of their barbecue sauce or their rub. Or if you want, you can order the sauce and rub combo pack. And you even get a little bit of a discount on that. And then that way, wherever you are, you can enjoy a little taste of Texas barbecue. And that Smokey John's barbecue sauce is legit. Yeah, it is. Oh, 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 oh. Sign of Matt drinking it from time to time. Yeah, there it is. Sometimes I just, you know, I get bored <laughs> walking around the house and I'm like, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to swig a, a little Smokey John's barbecue. Hey, they're worse ideas, bro. I get in there and I, I crack open the top, just stick my tongue right in the hole. And it is delicious. Smokey John's barbecue. <laughs> Eat it. So this story coming out of college basketball, and I'm sure many, many people have heard this. There's a ridiculous amount of misinformation that's been out and about and thrown around, but the generic view of this, for those that are unaware, Alabama has one of the best basketball teams in the country this year. Probably the best basketball team they've ever had. They're currently the number two team in the country. They have a freshman who is their best player, He probably is going to win freshman player of the year in college basketball. He is easily their best player on a team that is very, very good. 
about five weeks ago, another one of their players named Darius Miles was arrested and charged with capital murder for a shooting that took place that took the life of a 23-year-old young mother in Tuscaloosa who apparently he had been talking to and she was turning him down and whatnot and there ended up being a little bit of a a verbal altercation and then later on in the evening he got his gun and fired into the vehicle that she was in with another man who returned fire or not Darius Miles I should say Darius Miles got his gun and gave it to this guy his friend whose name Davis something Davis and Davis is the one who fired into the vehicle. Well, because it was Miles' gun and Miles gave him that gun, they both were arrested and charged with capital murder. So this was all known, and we had talked about it in this area. I mean, you know how it is, fairly or unfairly. It, it was a, a dude who barely played this season. It was like, oh, it's a sad situation, whatever. You talked about it, and everybody moved on. Yeah, as a matter of fact, when it first came out, but I do this quite a bit. Uh, I clipped the story. I texted it to my son and said, this is what happens when you hang out with, with the round crowd or this is what happens when one of your boys can f- persuades you to, to, and helps you make a poor decision. This is the kind of trouble you can end up in. So the reason why that this is coming out again, because again, this, this took place, Jamia Harris, who was the young lady who was shot and killed in this, This took place on January 15th, so almost literally five weeks ago. Right. Well, earlier this week, they went for their bond hearing to decide are they going to be able to post bail and all that type of stuff. It was a three-hour bond hearing in which it was revealed that star basketball player Brandon Miller, who is the best freshman in the country, a dude who has, I mean, just last night on Wednesday night, on the road in South Carolina, went for 41 points, eight rebounds. What was it? Three steals, two blocks. He can, this, this dude is a poor man's Kevin Durant, I'm telling you. He's silky smooth shot. He can drain threes. He can drive. He has no problem scoring at the rim. He's got length. He, I mean, this guy does it all. Well, then it came out that Brandon Miller had, and I'm sure many of you have seen the headline, Brandon Miller provides gun used in shooting. Brandon Miller brought the gun that was used in the shooting. And so kind of what came out of that was everybody all of a sudden was going, why the hell is Brandon Miller on the, on the basketball team? How did he not get arrested? What is going on here? So we learn at the hearing, the Alabama, or excuse me, the Tuscaloosa assistant district attorney was asked, why wasn't Brandon Miller charged? And she goes, there's nothing right. to charge him with. He broke no law. Well, I'm sure most people are like, what the hell you mean he broke no law? He took a gun. Right. And so based on my knowledge of this situation, the evidence that they have, and again, keep, keep this in mind. So Brandon Miller immediately the next day went to the police with a lawyer, but he voluntarily gave them his phone, voluntarily gave them access to his vehicle, his dash cam, everything. And all the evidence that police and the prosecution have, all that evidence lead them to the conclusion that there is nothing they can charge Brandon Wheeler with, that he broke no law. And the reason why is it, it seems to be that there is a belief that he actually did not know the gun was in the car. So Brandon Miller's attorney came out yesterday and released a statement basically saying the same, saying my client 
did not know that the gun was in the car, didn't touch it, didn't handle it. Simply, and, and here's the thing, because people go, because they released this text message where Darius Miles had texted Brandon Miller, bring me my joint, which apparently is slang for gun. Of course, everybody knows it. Okay, well, there you have it. And so <laughs> he, but what we didn't know at the time is like, oh my gosh, so Darius Miles told Brandon Miller to bring him a gun and he did. Well, now in the last 48 hours, and I don't, why this is not being reported more widely, I have no idea. But there's more context to the text messages where we now know that Brandon Miller and Darius Miles have been texting for like an hour where Darius Miles had texted him trying to get him to come pick him up because Brandon Miller was his ride. Brandon Miller dropped Darius Miles off at this club and then left because he didn't want to wait in the line to go in the club and went and got some food. And Darius Miles kept texting him, hey, come get me, you know, pick me up, whatever. And then he left where he was, Brandon Miller did, was already on the way to go pick up Darius Miles when he got the text of, bring me my joint. Right. There's no proof that Darius Miles or that Brandon Miller ever saw the text. We don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But the reality of it is that there was no criminal intent and there's no intent and there's no evidence that he had intent that he was delivering the gun. He never even got out of the car. Apparently, as soon as Brandon Miller got there, because he arrived a few seconds he was already on the way. He arrived very shortly after getting that text message. Darius Miles reaches into the backseat of the car, gets the gun, gives it to this Michael Davis kid, and Davis, within seconds, begins shooting at this other vehicle. And Brandon Miller, the evidence would lead you to believe, did not know any of this was going down. Yeah, man, that's wild. Matter of fact, I'd be so mad to cast like, why you put me in a position like this, dog? <laughs> right, you know and, what I mean? And, and so now the question becomes, okay, so what do you do? Because like a lot of people are saying they should have kicked him off the team. Alabama is, is handling this incorrectly. He should be suspended. And, and I ask people, I mean, all the last couple of days, as you can imagine in this area, this has been, I've done, I swear, like four hours on this. And the whole, my, my question has been to people is like, okay, people who have more information than us, the prosecution, law enforcement, everybody who has access to all the information, only a sliver of which has been made public. They looked at it and decided this kid did nothing wrong. There's nothing we can charge him with. He broke no laws. Oh, okay. Well, he, he violated the code of conduct. He should, he should be kicked off the team or suspended. Well, if law enforcement is telling you he did nothing wrong, then what would you suspend him for? Now, maybe you could suspend him. You have a dumbass friend. What do you mean? I was hanging out with the guy on the team. I mean, I don't know how Alabama is supposed to handle this quite. And I've asked that question, like, what do you do in this situation to a guy like Brandon Miller when law enforcement is telling you, we've looked at all the facts, all the evidence we have shows he did nothing wrong? You know, my initial thought was um, suspend him. Uh, but as I got more information, it's like I, if, if he literally didn't do anything wrong and he didn't know that he was going to this place to participate in all of this then it seems like you just let him continue to play because I would assume and you know assumptions can be bad but I would assume that uh, he's learned a hell of a lesson about friends and you know and how to pick them yeah and, and that becomes now if anybody happened and I don't know why people will be watching Alabama South Carolina the other night but because South Carolina is horrible. The game in which Brandon Miller goes off for 41 points, every time he touches the ball, South Carolina is booing him. 
he goes to the free throw line. They're chanting guilty, guilty, or lock him up, lock him up. And I'm just sitting there going, lock up for what? Like, so what yeah, happened I mean. is originally there were headlines that if you read them, even, even last night watching the game, ESPN posts something that says, here are what we know about the case. And one of the little bullet points was Brandon Miller brought gun to Darius Miles. So it makes it sound like Brandon Miller gave his gun to Darius Miles when Brandon yeah. Miller doesn't have a gun, and it was not his gun. Well, technically, he brought it to him because he drove the car, but he didn't know it was in the backseat of the car. Right, and so like when you're talking like from a legal standpoint, the problem is public perception has already been painted a certain way. Yep. And so now people don't want to go back and accept that maybe that was wrong or maybe that's not the whole story because he's already been tried in the, in the court of public opinion, and this 20-year-old kid now is going to have to figure out how to deal with this. I'll, be, I'll actually be really curious to see because there are some very big talking heads that are out there that are still saying it was Brandon Miller's gun, which blows my mind because fact, like they released those facts. It's Darius Miles' gun. I think ultimately he'll be okay because ultimately he's going to play basketball. And, uh, you know, man, if he knows what he did and what he didn't do. And, and when other people can't accept that for whatever reason, your friends and the people that care about you know what the deal is. And everybody else, man, is just a fan. We're talking about the same people that burn your jersey if you spent 12 years there giving them nothing but great service but decide that you want to go play for another team. That's what fans do. And so I don't expect anything of fans except for them to be fans. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And you present this case – you know, you have the facts, and then everybody has just already made their decision. I, it's, and I said this today, and I, it is unfortunate for a guy like a Brandon Miller, who now has been tried and convicted, and some people will never see him another way. You've got a situation where a young woman, a mother, lost her life, and you've got two kids who are also 19, 20 years old that are going to prison for the rest of their lives. Yeah, for based on what I've read, just being... You know, Buzz Davis, the one who did the shooting. I mean, just, just a, just a. She's she. He's trying to get this woman's attention. She says, "Hey, I got a boyfriend. I'm not interested." And then you continue to mess with her, and it and it ends up with this. Like, this just never ever, never ever had to happen if you're just a normal person. Oh, hey, you're very attractive. Hey, I got a boyfriend. I'm not interested. Ah, lucky guy. On to the next one. You know what I mean? Instead, all these lies. One of them gone. You know, the boyfriend's probably got PTSD and all kind of trauma he's got to work through uh, seeing his girl shot. Her son's got no mom. And then, uh, you know, these two guys, uh, their lives are thrown away. And, heck, man, if you're Miles and you weren't the shooter, you're like, damn. I, sh I showed up tonight to have a good time, and here I am in jail for, like, forever. You know what I mean? Because yeah. say he doesn't get – you know, say, well, you weren't a shooter and, you know, whatever, so we're not going to give you life or 60 years or something, but we'll give you 35 or 40. Well, your life's essentially over still, bro. Right, yeah. It's just tragic on so many levels, man. It is, and it's, it's a really odd bit now where you've got a team, because most people around the country, and there's other people I know that, that cover college sports in the footprint of the SEC, 
that I've seen post stuff on Twitter that I'm just going, man, like what? Yeah, I almost want to reach out to them that I know personally. Be like, why would like that's not true? Just so you know this. But then it becomes, I mean, you guys have already made up your mind. So now the rest of the season, if Alabama makes a Final Four run, which they are, a, they are a team that legitimately has a, they have the components of a national championship winning team. Now in basketball, we all know that you have one off game in the tournament, you're out. But they, they have the talent and the depth to win a national championship if they bring it every game in the tournament. We'll see. And now, of course, right. that'll be the whole story throughout the whole thing is, oh, well, you've got a murderer. You got a guy who brought in a, a weapon and all this type of stuff without ever anybody trying to figure out the truth of the situation, what the facts are. Nah, bro, ain't nobody interested in it. I know, which is so sad. It really is because some people just never let it go. I mean, I've been, I've been called. I had multiple people tell me how immoral I was and I have no morals and it doesn't matter what the reasoning was. If he doesn't show up, the gun isn't there for that girl to die. He should be in jail. And I sit there and go, man, I, you know, you really hope that some of these people don't have to deal in a situation of, in their lifetime like that where, well, you were standing over there, so you get to go to jail. I had no idea what, what's going on. It doesn't matter. You're going to jail. <laughs> but I can, I can sh- like, I don't know. Like, you can look at my phone. You can, I can, nope, sorry, jail time for you, bud. That's what we are now. No, that's that's the world we live in, bro. It is. It's wild. It is. And it's one of those things like I was telling the guys at the station the other day, you know, this is like and we've done stuff like this when we were doing radio and whatnot. Every once in a while, you run into a story that you're like, man, this isn't why I got into radio. Like I got like I like having fun like we do on the podcast and we have great conversations you know, right, when right, you've right. got to fight these people who are so adamant that you're you're wrong and you don't know when really you do know and you're just like, okay, I, at some point it's, what do you want me to say? You're, you're right. All of you are right that, that, and I said this today, I was like, so you, what is more of a stretch to believe, honestly, that the Alabama athletic director, the president of the University of Alabama, the prosecuting district attorneys for Tuscaloosa, and the lawyers involved in this are all completely participating in a cover-up and making up something? Or is it easier to believe that Brandon Miller didn't know what was going on? <laughs> no, man. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it doesn't sound right, but yeah, it's much easier to believe that Brandon Miller... It's a rare case, man. I just thought... Uh, I, you and, you, and you might not believe it if you just heard it, but once... You know, the police and those people have no reason to lie. You know, they're trying to... You know, not on a situation like this. So, yeah, I believe it. I know because you go go based on the evidence that we have and everything that we factually know. Is there a probability that Brandon Miller truly did not know what was going on because he provided dash cam footage that corroborates his story? He never got out of the car. He never touched the gun. There's no evidence that he ever responded to Darius Miles and, and said, yeah, man, I'm bringing your gun or whatever. And maybe he did. I don't know. But from everything that I understand, actually, I do know. I know that he didn't. So from everything that I know about this, <laughs> there's, I mean, it's, I don't know, man. The world is a special place with things of this nature. Yeah, it is. Because I, I sit there and I go, man, you, we, the guy who shot the gun is going to prison the guy who gave that guy the gun is going to prison. But now you want to go and get this other guy who didn't know what was going on, what the situation was. It's, it's very odd. Because mm. at that point, then how far down to the rabbit hole do you want to go with all of that? 
No, I mean, I mean, we can stay because it is what it is. Yep. Um, you know, I think, and you know, same thing make you laugh, make you cry, man. In this regards, um, it's so hard to get away with stuff like that because what's the first thing the police do once they have you in custody and you've been charged? They dump your phone, right? And the text messages tell the tale, bro. You know yeah, and they've got all that. They had like I was like they have. He gave them his phone. And said, "Here, here it is. Here's my dash cam." Yeah, here's everything because I haven't done anything. So, you know, when you when you're operating like that, then then it's all good. There's just it's just uh, you know, you, you give the people whatever they want. Apparently, he's interviewed with them several times. Like, yo, whatever y'all need is all good. Yeah, and, and like all of that and having all that information that they have, and they still looked at it and said, "There's nothing here." I, I don't know. It's like somebody on Twitter earlier was like, look, this is Alabama. All of them are in on this. This is a conspiracy. It's like, I, if you want to live your life believing that, knock yourself out. I'm not going to argue that. I mean, it's, you're, you're correct. The world is all against every single one of us, and it's always a conspiracy. <laughs> pretty much but it's a weird pretty situation, much. man. It is a wild situation when something like this happens with a player this prominent in college basketball on one of the best teams in the country. No, no doubt, man. It's, I mean, it's just wild, bro. Really yep. wild. My hope is that tomorrow, finally, I'll just be able to talk about something else on my radio show. Oh. <laughs> and I, I mean, seriously, like, you know, I rarely take calls, but I took calls on this to, to just give people a chance to weigh in. Dude calls in today. He's like, well, I, I think the question that should be asked is, why was... Uh, the Darius Miles is from Washington, D.C., and he had a friend in town that was the shooter. Why was he here? Why, why would you have some friend from 800 miles away come in? And I'm just going, oh. me and the guys, we looked at each other, and I was like, what? I was like, so you're telling me you don't think college students should have their friends from back home come visit them? Is that what you're trying to say here? I don't understand what you're saying to me. It's like, my God, you know, and then... Of course, nobody could ever imagine that they would be in a situation where something like this happens and they would have no idea what was going on when they got there. That's impossible. You would have to know. No, man. People have things happen like this all the time. I know. Not, not murders, but just you no, show up but, as a third wheel and yep. you have no idea what was going on before you showed up. Yeah, and you're like, dude, what did, what did I just walk into? And you're like, oh, sorry, man. And later they explain it to you. You go, don't ever do that to me again. Don't, I, don't, I never want to be in this situation again. Exactly. Fortunately for me, in the couple of times that's happened, nothing came of it. But it very well could have a couple of times, unfortunately, like in this situation. Bro. It's a, it's a weird, it, as Johnny Carson used to say, it's a, it's a weird, wild world. It's a, a wacky stuff. <laughs> All right, my friend. Another great podcast. I hope everybody enjoyed that. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Oh, you know what I just realized? Was it? This is our final weekend before we spring forward. This is our final weekend in. Oh, is it? Yeah, because we spring forward the first weekend in March, which is the weekend after this oh, one. Fantastic. I hate this time of year. Yeah, because then we'll go back to the longer days and all that. Or maybe it's the second weekend of March. I can't remember. I think it might be March 12th and not March 5th. Well, it's, coming, it's coming soon. Anyway, two weeks away. So that's fantastic. All right. Have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. 
Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.